Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and as always, plenty of entertainment. Well, how are you this week? How good is it to see the bright early mornings and the dry weather outside? Have you been getting out and about training? I'm still embracing quite a good training routine. I can hardly believe it myself if I'm honest, but I'm definitely on a training roll since the start of the year, which was bolstered by the training camp in Lanzarote with Oliver Harkin and Paddy McLaughlin. Check out the most recent episode of the podcast with Paddy for some insight into the crack on camp. I hope I can keep up the training routine for a few more weeks at least. The announcing season is really going to ramp up from the middle of May, so I'm banking as many swim, bike and run miles as I can at the moment and have to say I really am loving it. I went out on the gravel bike on Sunday for an adventure and it was so good to be out exploring new routes on by roads, back roads, bog roads and indeed some forest trails. The spin was just a little bit longer than I had anticipated, but I was delighted to get just over 90k done with 1100 metres of climbing. The coffee and caramel slice were hard earned and didn't last long after we finally got to the coffee stop. It was a nice boost in confidence to get the spin done though. I was four and a half hours in the saddle. That's quite a long spin for me considering how much training I've done over the past six to eight months. I'm looking forward to clocking up a few miles over the upcoming bank holiday. It's time to take Freddy, my road bike, out of hibernation for 2023 and get some miles in, hopefully in the sunshine, and work up an appetite for some Easter eggs. Yes, there will be a massive excess of chocolate consumed this coming weekend. Before we get into this episode, I have some discounts to share that might be of interest. The Great Ireland Run 10K takes place in the Phoenix Park on the 16th of April. Congratulations to Ava Whelan and Sean Wilson, who won an entry each to the event. If you plan to sign up to the race, use the code TTSGIR and the number 10 to get a 10% discount on race entry. Bear events have given us a 10% discount on a number of their events, including the Wexford Half Marathon and 10K on April 23rd. Use the code TTSBG2023 to avail of the discount on this event and some of their other races taking place later on in the season. Castle Race Series kickstart their season in May and I have a 25% discount on all of their races in the UK this summer and for Lakutra Castle Multisport Festival in Galway at the end of May. Use the code TTS23CRS to avail of a 25% discount of all their races this season. You can find links to all of the events above on the Try Talking Sport website and of course there are plenty of other events listed there too to whet your appetite for racing and adventure across swim, bike and and run. And as always, don't forget about our discount on Nuasan products. If you haven't checked them out yet, today is the day. Go to www.nuasan.com to see their range of products and use the code TTS15 to get 15% discount on their range. I cannot recommend the CBD gel enough. It is simply a game changer. Now to this week's episode with British professional triathlete Indy Lee, who recently kick-started her 2023 season with a podium finish at Ironman 70.3 Lanzarote, finishing in second place, securing her slot for the Ironman 70.3 World Championship in Lati, Finland, later this year. No stranger to podiums or winning races, Indy is a three-time Ironman 70.3 champion, taking the win in Weymouth in her first outing at middle distance racing in 2018. She went on to defend her title in 2019 after breaking the tape at Ironman 70.3 Finland earlier that season. Since switching her focus from sprint and Olympic distance racing to middle distance racing, she has found another gear that has seen her continue to excel as a professional triathlete. 
racing her first Ironman in Israel at the end of last year. She finished in sixth place, which, considering her short turnaround after the Ironman 70.3 World Championship in Utah, was an even more impressive result than at first glance. Indy has been immersed in sport from a very young age, with running most definitely on her radar. Her early success in sport saw her move to the US on a college scholarship to pursue her passion for sport. It is triathlon, however, that she has now found as her sport of choice. Having raced successfully as an age group and elite athlete, the 2016 European triathlon champion has gone from strength to strength as she has journeyed through the sport of triathlon as a professional athlete. This is a super chat with Indy, who shares great insight into her career, her struggle at times with her own self-belief and indeed self-confidence, all whilst embracing a career that she simply loves. Indy has an exciting future in sport ahead of her. Watch this space as she continues to rise to achieve her goals in life and in sport. Now, go grab a cuppa and enjoy the show. Indy Lee, welcome to the Try Talking Sport Podcast. Delighted to have you on the show. I was questioning why we didn't have you on the show sooner. You were on the Try Commute with myself and Helen Murray back in those days of COVID. It's taken me this long to having you on the show, but it's about damn time. So you're very welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to having a good old chat. Where in the world are you at the moment? I'm actually in Loughborough at the moment on a bit of a mini stay in the UK training camp after a couple of stints in Lanzarote um, in January and February. I'm um, a bit limited on my days in Europe, so I've come to Loughborough for a training camp. <laughs> oh, very good. And how are you finding settling back into the um, the fabulous British weather? Oh, uh, well, I've, I'm going to be honest, last week was pretty rough. Like, I was a bit fed up with the just everywhere's so wet, all the trails are soaking, everywhere's muddy. I, I like doing a lot of stuff off-road, both running and riding, but it's just been impossible. So, yeah, I was a bit grumpy last week, but today is actually a really nice day. I've just been out on the bike and it was sunny. I had to unzip my gilet. <laughs> oh, wow, it must have been roasting. <laughs> exactly. So what session did you do today? Um, I just had a... Mondays are a, a steady day. So I had a run this morning. A swim at lunchtime and then a nice two hours just poodling about on the bike this afternoon. Enjoying the scenery. Yeah, loving it. Yeah. yeah. It's nice to ride on different roads. Yeah, talking about scenery and going back to Lanzarote, you are fresh off your first triathlon race of the season and coming home with a silver medal from the Ironman 70.3 Lanzarote. Talk me through the race. It was uh it was a good race. I went into it with the the goal of getting my slot for Worlds, so mission accomplished there. Um, and when my coach and I had planned to do the race, she said that it's only March, so expect it to be tough because I'm not going to be race ready. I'm just going to be fit. So <laughs> I knew going in it was going to be maybe a bit a bit harder than usual because I'm not like at race fitness. But um, the whole day it was just I was just pretty solid all day, solid swim solid bike and then fitness was probably a little bit wanting on the run but I, I stayed strong and got through it. <laughs> Talk to me about that bike course because I was in Lanzarote on the same day and the winds were at 36 to 38 kilometers an hour so <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine what it was like cycling uh, over that side of the island during the race. It was it was it was actually okay because the winds were in the right direction for it to actually be a little bit fun because you had a tailwind on the descent. So also I spent 
a total of about six weeks in Lanzarote already this year. So I was used to the winds. I know how to ride in the wind and I was pretty confident with it. Um, and one of my training partners and I also had a bit of a um, a bet on to see who could get the highest top speed <laughs> on the descent down Tim and Fire. So I had that in the back of my mind. I, I won. won. You won. I won. Yeah. <laughs> By half a kilometre an hour. <laughs> and what was the prize? Oh, just kudos. Just kudos. all right. Okay. Just just knowing that you had the biggest gut. <laughs> it wasn't an extra ice cream after the finish or anything like that. No. Uh, maybe an extra beer <laughs> maybe an extra beer very good how did the wind affect the run course then because I know obviously you would have had the descent coming back into a playa blanket but then the run course it's very difficult to run in wild wind so how did you balance <laughs> yeah. that with maybe not being at your peak fitness for a half marathon off the bike um, well it was the wind on the run was worse than on the bike I'd say because you got to like right the course the run course was just one one big lap and so it was literally you know 11k out and however 11k back but um you got right out to the end where it was pretty quiet spectator wise and that's when the headwind was at its worst because you're just I guess it's coming straight off the lava fields and there's nothing there to um slow it down so you're going I was running up a hill into a headwind I felt like I was walking and I was just trying to tell myself, like, it's the same for everyone. It's the same for everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, the wind is definitely, it's a huge factor on Lanzarote. So if you go do that race, expect it to be windy. But also just go with it. It's windy for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose that's true. But do you think that, you know, being out in Lanzarote and embracing the wind and the hills is worth it? You know, when you look back at the race that you oh, had, yeah. like, it, it definitely is, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. And um, there was always a bit of a joke between me and um, uh, Nikki Bartlett. She's a friend of the show, I think. She absolutely loves going to Lanzarote training. And I always used to say, no, I don't like it. I don't like the wind. I don't like the fact that you have to consider the wind every time you go out for a ride. Like, I like enjoying riding my bike um, rather than just hanging on with, like, white knuckles. Um, and then this year, I was like, no, just just get over it and go and then it was obviously obviously paid dividends getting second in that race absolutely and when you look at the season ahead of you as well I'm sure that the five or six weeks in Lanzarote embracing those mm-hmm. hills and wind are going to absolutely mm-hmm. stand to you for the for the next few weeks and months yeah I hope so like you can't you can't help but work hard in Lanzarote so going there for a couple of training camps early season means that I'm in I'm in good shape already and I'm strong and ready to build on it for the rest of the season. So, yeah, glad that I embraced it. Yeah. Well, before we get to talk about the rest of the season, let's go back and see where has Indy Lee come from? Because you have been (laughs) racing and training for quite a while. Started out with running. Is that correct? Yeah, I started out as a runner literally from as long as I can remember. I've been a runner and I think family and friends would regard me as like the girl that runs that kind of thing which I used to resent as I was growing up through school you know you don't want to be you don't want to be different but now I'm fully on board with it (laughs) so yeah I guess there's a good memory that I've got that (laughs) when my parents put me into extra drama lessons at school because I was was incredibly shy as a kid 
like painfully shy wouldn't talk to anybody and so I think they thought oh we'll put her into like basically like public speaking classes I guess and um it was at lunchtime in when I was at primary school and I just remember skipping (laughs) those lessons to go and run laps around a there was a well in my head in those days I thought it was probably like a mile long track but subsequently going back to school and seeing it, it's actually like 200 meters long but you got one house point for every lap that you ran and so I used to go there at lunchtime just run laps and laps and laps <laughs> and I had the um I had the protection of the PE teacher who <laughs> who took me under his wing and <laughs> knew that I just wanted to run um and I just remember my drama teacher Mrs Fraser coming out hands on hips India Lee you're supposed to be in class with me <laughs> and I'm only like eight <laughs> and I'm like sorry I'm running last <laughs> so yeah I like that story so yeah as you, as long as I can remember I've been a runner <laughs> and is running still your favorite discipline um I switch between running and riding for which is my favorite I like I like the I like running socially. I like doing that. But I like, if I had the choice, I'd probably go for a long bike ride rather than a long run though. You had a scholarship to the US as well for college, for running. Uh, yeah, I went to I went to the US on a scholarship for university, ran track and cross country at Iowa State University, which was, was a super competitive running school. We had a good team and we went to like all the national meets and things like that and placed highly yeah and that was before I even knew what triathlon was <laughs> so I was a runner until I guess I was 20 23 when I got back from the US and uh it was the year of the London Olympics and I remember I was walking through Hyde Park as the triathlon was on but we didn't know that the triathlon was on and um yeah walking through Hyde Park and I could hear them talking about the athletes who are racing I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I wonder what they're doing. <laughs> and then we just like stood on the side and watched. And then I was like, oh, that might be quite fun to do. I like running. I like riding a bike. I like swimming. <laughs> I used to swim. And then, um, yeah, then the next year I did, did my first triathlon. Were the London Olympics a big influence on your decision to take up triathlon? Or was it just by fluke that you happened to be there? Or had you known about the sport before that? But I'd vaguely known about the sport because there were people who were runners who had crossed over to triathlon like non-Stanford. I grew up racing non through all the age groups in cross country and track racing. Um, And I knew that she was doing triathlon then. I was conscious of it, but I didn't, I hadn't investigated. I hadn't like, I didn't know more than it was swim, bike and run. Um, And then I guess just seeing it in, um at London 2012 seeing the Brownleys obviously doing what they did I thought oh maybe maybe that could be quite fun to have a go at and here we are today <laughs> it's snowballed it's mad. <laughs> so you obviously went into age group route first of all you were the European duathlon champion yeah so I did um I did that because I I didn't know how to get into the sport and I guess I just I just thought that's what you did that's how you worked your way up and so I did that for a year I knew that I wanted to race elite when I first started but I didn't know how how you went about doing that because I didn't know anything about the sport and so before I met my first triathlon coach 
I was just winging it and just racing however wherever I could um and then once I met my first coach he was like oh you do it this way and I was like oh okay and then I got into the elite races so I guess I did age group because I didn't know that it was different from the elite how did you find that transition from age group or to elite it was okay yeah um I think domestically I was I was competitive quite quickly so um I found the step up or like the difference in um racing dynamic um yeah it was okay I don't I've never really thought that much about it I guess there was an opportunity or there wasn't an opportunity for Rio at the time you were in the mix oh uh, yeah and level of the British girls who were vying for spots for Rio yeah so the way British triathlon at the at the time did um selection they had um what they call a gateway race to get into like the selection races which were the Rio test event and uh, the grand final for the World Series that year, which was in Chicago. And I went to the Gateway Race as a European Cup, which was more accessible for more athletes to get into. So I got a start at a European Cup in Antalya in Turkey, which was quite early in the year, in 2015. And... Um, I didn't even know that it was a gateway race. I had no clue. I was going there thinking, oh, like, this is my first European Cup of uh, the season. I was just wanted to see where I was at. Hopefully I was better than the year before, that kind of thing. And I finished third. And the criteria was the first British person across the line and on the podium. So you had to be on the podium and the first British person, which I did. And I finished the race and I was third and I was like, oh, cool, I got a podium. And then one of the other girls came up to me and said, oh, are you going to go to Rio? I was like, whoa, hang on. Like, I just come third. I've just come third in Europe, European Cup. You're getting a bit ahead of yourself. She was like, no, no, the test event. I was like, didn't know what they were talking about. So then I got selected to go to the test event in Rio in 2015, which was incredible. But I was so far out of my depth. It was unreal. There were like 60 girls in the race. I think I came like 55th <laughs> and I was like whoa like <laughs> the differences from where I was at and where I wanted to be if I was going to be competitive was like huge but it was also great because I had that opportunity saw how far off I was and it just even though I knew I was young in the sport and I was progressing it gave me a big kick up the bum for that winter training which um yeah, which was great because then the next year, 2016, was when I had like a huge breakthrough, won a World Cup and then won the European Championships. So it was a blessing in disguise that I was so rubbish. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say you were still rubbish. I mean, it's still 50 girls in the world racing triathlon at a test event. Um, yeah. so, so I wouldn't say you were rubbish. <laughs> you know, you still were pretty young in the sport as well. And and you look mm. at the success you've had, you know, as an elite across the short course racing. And then you see, you know, how quickly you progressed in long course racing, winning mm. your first ever Ironman yeah, cool. race in 2018 in Weymouth. I mean, on debut, you know, there's not a lot of people that will do that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I guess you only really get one opportunity to do that. So I'm glad I nailed it. <laughs> Yeah, um, 2018, was that the year where the weather was horrendous in Weymouth? 
Do you remember? The weather's always horrendous in Weymouth. I know, we've had a few <laughs> days in Weymouth and that was well. I think you won. Both in times I've done the it, the swim was being shortened. The swim was shortened. Both, yeah, yeah. It was, um, no, but it was that really awful year where it was like torrential rain. I remember running through transition and it was like ankle deep puddles. <laughs> and then in 2019, we were roasted, I think. Weren't we? We had a lovely day in 2019. I think it started off a bit dodgy and then it got really, it got really hot on the run. Yeah. 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 When you look at your results to date, so you've multiple wins. You won twice in Weymouth. So you went back in 2019 to defend your title, but you also won Ironman 70.3 in Finland. So that must be very exciting for you now that you've qualified for Latin. How does that feel? Yes, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm looking forward to going back because it's a really, it's a lovely place. It's a great venue um, and I can see how it could be um, a really cool place to have a world championships. Yeah, the course is, the bike course is incredible. It's like just trees everywhere and as a country gal, I like that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be a great event. I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, I'm glad that I've already qualified. I don't have to stress about that anymore. Does it take the pressure off now a little bit or does it add to the pressure that you've now qualified? Oh, it takes the pressure off massively because now I can, like, obviously that was always a big target of my year, but it's also like, well, it's a target, but you've also got to qualify to get there. So um, now that I know that I'm definitely going, um, I can carry on with plan A of the year rather than having to, chase a qualification anywhere so it's a it's a relief and it's good it's a good position to be in in March it actually is a very good position to be in in March isn't it really when you think about mm. it um not yeah. having to qualify or to travel again to qualify to race at Worlds. yeah exactly what does plan a of racing for Indy Lee look like for 2023 <laughs> uh well I'm gonna my next race is gonna be the PTO race in Ibiza which I hope it's going to be a good event. Um, if the race isn't very good, then it'll be a good after party. So that's fine. <laughs> um, and then um, Challenge Championship, San Marin. Then a bit of a break. And then it'll be um, just getting ready for Worlds. I'll probably do another race between then and, and World Championships. But um, yeah, it'll be yeah firing on all cylinders to get to World Championships in good shape. Do you think will you stick with the 70.3 distance for a while longer before focusing a lot on the full distance? I know you raced at um, your very first Ironman in Israel <laughs> last year, coming sixth, which was yeah. a great result as well in your you know first yeah. time racing at that distance. Uh, yeah, it was um, it was a last minute. Well, not a last. You can't do an Ironman last minute decision because you have to enter. But it was a um, it was a end of season jolly I'd say doing that Ironman basically I I built up I had built up this the idea of an Ironman being like super super hard and impossible and not something that I was capable of and so I kind of just wanted to do one to tick that off and say no you can do it <laughs> and then um I think the end of this year I'll do another one but I'll I'll do it properly rather than I just did that one off I did uh, St. George 70.3 World Championships and then there were three weeks and Bex, my coach, had said that she didn't want to compromise anything going into World Championships, which is 
also what I wanted. So I had three weeks to get ready for an Ironman, which probably isn't enough, but I was fit enough to get through it. And it was, I absolutely loved it because I under, I underdid it all day because I was absolutely terrified of blowing up. <laughs> so, so all day I was, yeah, loving it. <laughs> was it just a fun day out and you just managed to come home six? It was a great day out. Yeah, I loved it. I didn't know what all the fuss was about until the last, the last half of the run. I was a little bit over it. <laughs> and talk to me a little bit about the Sub 8 project. You were the only athlete, I think, on Kat's team that actually participated across swim, bike and run and helped to pace her across all three. What a very yeah. position to be in. How did that all come about? Well, um, I got a text from Kat saying, what are you doing? Uh, when was it? It was end of May, wasn't it? What are you doing end of May? And I said, nothing. Yes, I will pace you. Because <laughs> I just guessed that that's what she was referring to. She was like, okay, cool. And I was like, I am fully in. <laughs> Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And um, so, yeah, it just went from there. And then I was one of her paces. And, yeah, we had a great week. It was Yeah, it was brilliant. The whole experience was, yeah, it was, I can't say how how much fun we had and how close our team was and how much I learned. I learned a lot. Um, yeah, love talking about it. it. It seemed like the girls who were on the team just bonded so much. Yourself and Ruth and Kat and mm. a few others just, just seemed to be this huge bond of friendship from it yeah you're all competing against each other but it was suddenly like you were a unit and it didn't matter what happened on the race course when you were individually racing but off the race course there was this massive friendship and bond uh yeah I would I would agree like I knew I knew Kat uh I'd say a little bit like like we were good we were friends but I wouldn't say we were like super close and then same with Ruth and then we went away and obviously had a great experience doing sub eight. Um, and yeah, the whole team was just super close. Like our WhatsApp group still from that event is, yeah, it's full of laughs and jokes and everyone's supportive of what everyone else is doing. Um, and yeah, even like Ruth, Ruth, Kat and I, even though we compete against each other, we like went away training camps. We've been away together and it's just great to have friends in the sport because obviously doing what we do, it's like, it's quite unusual. And so to have people who are in the same position as you, who understand what you're doing and everything that goes along with that is, it's, yeah, it's really nice. And then of course, Kat racing at Oceanside this weekend yeah. past, I mean, like, wow, just, just wow. I know, mean, I know. No, I, I was, <laughs> I was, uh, so we were on training camp in Lanzarote. Um, I was with Kat and our other friend, Sam. And um, I'm actually staying at Sam's house with him and his wife. And we were watching it and we saw Kat came out of the water second. And we were like, oh, my God, Kat, that's incredible. Um, yeah, so seeing how hard that she she's worked to um, to get to where she's at for, for that result, was it was pretty cool to see her do so well. Yeah, it was very special to watch as well. I think when you've yeah seen, I got a bit emotional. Yeah, I also <laughs> did I like I I think and even like we have a WhatsApp group as well that goes mad when there's racing on and um, especially yeah. with the live coverage. And you know we were all nearly in tears 
watching her come down yeah. the finish line and it, it, it's it's such an inspiration for everybody to see what a fighter she yeah. is and I think oh, yeah. that she opens up as well on her Instagram about the struggles that yeah. she's, she's oh, telling yeah. us. And so we feel part yeah. of her journey. Um, but yeah, simply, simply incredible. But back to you now, Indy. So do you think did the sub eight and being part of that team help you develop as an athlete mm. to become stronger and more resilient as well? Um, oh, hugely. To the end of season racing and maybe stepping mm. up to that Ironman distance. You weren't so afraid of it because... Yeah. You had done so much as part of the sub eight project on the day. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess part partly on the sub eight day, I did. Um, I didn't do much of the bike, so I, I'm not sure we can really count that as much of a stint. But I did the whole swim, and then um, I think it was my longest run to date. Um, I think I did about just over thirty k of the run at cat's iron man pace which is a lot a lot different to my iron man pace <laughs> but just doing that gave me a huge confidence boost like just to tell myself that like I am capable of maybe doing more than I think I am because my le- my self-confidence and level of belief in myself maybe isn't um as high as it could be which well at that at that stage and then obviously spending time with cat and Ruth going on training camp with them over the summer, actually just watching them and being around them and knowing the level of success that they both have, they both have and had, made me realise that like I am capable and um, I can like hold my own with those girls in training. So I should be able to do the same in racing. And so I guess just there's that, there's that saying, isn't it? isn't there that you surround yourself with the people who you want to be the average of or something like that and um I guess I've I've really taken that to heart and um yeah just spending time with them watching them seeing how how they go about their days and training I realized that um I'm like no different I guess and Mm. if they can do it I can do it yeah and you deserve yeah. to be where you are as well. That's the other side of it. You know that you're a, mm-hmm. a strong, fabulous female athlete and has worked <laughs> hard to get where you are. I mean, you don't go winning races without having put in the work. It doesn't matter who you yeah. are. Yeah. I guess I had I had a quiet couple of years where it wasn't going smoothly and it was a bit of a struggle. And so last year was um a much needed confidence boost in many ways. So yeah, I think sub eight really kicked that off for me grateful for the opportunity you mentioned earlier that you skipped the classes to go running so when <laughs> yeah. you look back at your eight-year-old self did you ever think yeah. you'd be in the spotlight as much as you are in terms of taking a podium at a race <laughs> you're on camera you're on show you're yeah. on podcast you're the feature of articles <laughs> you're on sub eight you know it's yeah. a very different Maybe it's a very different um, route that you might have taken if you didn't end up in professional sport. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's when you speak to young kids and you um, ask them what they want to be when they grow up and they say, oh, I want to be a professional footballer or I want to be a runner or something like that. I would have said, oh, I want to be a runner. All you you think about is, well, what all I thought about was, oh, I want to be a runner because I want to run all the time and I love running and I love the feeling of running. Which is why, well, from my perspective, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because I still love running. I love riding my bike. 
I don't love swimming, but I do it. <laughs> I do it because I like doing it for myself and I'm not really bothered about recognition or anything like that because that's not why that's not what gets me up in the morning <laughs> what gets me up in the morning is because I love doing it <laughs> why do you love it so much What's I so really don't know I don't know it's a very good question um I think about it a lot and um it's not an easy life to have um you know as a professional triathlete a lot of it is training yeah. on your own, putting in hard sessions yeah. Lots of people say they don't have sacrifices, but there's always sacrifices in sport. It doesn't matter what level you're at. So yeah. it's it's not an easy course to... No, it's not. It's not straightforward and it's not conventional. It's certainly not conventional. Um, and I think during... So the whole lockdown um, era, can we call it an era? Was it long enough to be an era? Um, was really interesting for me because, um, as I said, I've been doing sport for as long as I can remember. Um, and I've always chased the idea of doing it for a living, being a professional athlete. And uh, at the end of 2000 and well, early 2020, I guess I was I was thinking, like, am I doing this because it's just what I've always done or am I doing it because I still love it? And so lockdown came at the perfect time because there were no races. There was no pressure to go to race it to race to, there was no pressure to even train because there was nothing to to train for and um I kind of thought that it would go one of two ways I would either stop training and that would be it and I would get on with a normal life and like go find a job a normal normal job <laughs> um and that kind of thing or I would double down almost and um, what I found was I was just all I wanted to do was go and ride my bike all day or I was plotting these long run routes where it would mean that I was out for hours. And so that was like it was really reinforcing to me to know that I am doing it because I love it. Like I didn't have to do any of that, but all I wanted to do was go and ride my bike like a ridiculous distance. So I often think back on that now that I am back in like normal training and structured training. I often think back on that and think like you're doing it because you love it. It just happens to be your job as well. So I guess that puts me in a very fortunate position that I don't have to fight it every day. Do you have to fight it at all, Indy? Or is it easy to get out of bed in the morning <laughs> to go training? Um for all of us who uh, need some extra motivation some days to get out of bed to go, <laughs> to go and do the swim sessions and the training. I think um, it is, is, it's easier to get out of bed and go and ride your bike or go and swim than it is to get out of bed and go sit in an office. <laughs> so, uh, I yeah, I think it is, it is easy. It is easy to do. It's really, really hard work. And it's probably only easy because I've, built my I've built discipline into my life and the fact that I have structure and I've made it easy for myself because I have a routine and all I have to think about is getting up and getting to the next session so that's why it's easy if you hadn't continued to train as a professional mm. athlete and race as a professional athlete after COVID <laughs> what sort of job do you think you'd have tried to go for would it have been in sport 
I don't know, but um, I, yeah, it would have been in sport, I think, because I've learned too much and I realised that I've got a lot of experience that I can share with other people. And I started, I started coaching during lockdown. So I've got a few coaching clients, which was always something I was a little bit hesitant to start because I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't have the confidence that I thought that I would be able to, I didn't think I had enough to share with other people, but now I've started coaching. I absolutely love it. And um, I think that's also given me confidence in myself, like just as a person that I can, I have got knowledge and experiences that I can help other people achieve what they want to achieve just because I've been there and probably had most experiences in sport myself so uh yeah I think I really enjoy coaching and I would probably have ended up doing something like that and when you look back at your life in sport what's the mm-hmm. biggest lesson you've learned do you think oh that's a hard one isn't it that's tricky yeah um biggest lesson uh <laughs> there's so many there's so many lessons I'd say um just keep moving forward always keep moving forward never go backwards it's, it holds true in a race and it holds true in life I guess just what happens when the pressure forward. hits Indy and it's hard to move forward <laughs> or the little negative thoughts in your head start saying oh you're not good enough for this or you need to stop doing this or you know you need to pull up because the wind is too much in the run course and you know it's too hard or you know how how do you deal yeah. with, with all of that kind of internal pressure that you might put on yourself I don't know how I deal with it <laughs> but I do have um a lot of those thoughts well I have I have in the past like really struggled with being super negative um talking myself out of situations that kind of thing um but I guess you just have to tell yourself that you've done it before. Usually training sessions have been a lot harder than any race has ever been, which is why you train so hard. So I know that um, I've negotiated my way through and gotten to the end of a session that I think I can't do. And if I can do that, then in a race, yeah, you can, you can deal with it. If you look at all of your highlights, there's so many in terms of your racing, not only just triathlon, but your running, cross-country running. You know, what would you say would be the biggest highlight? My biggest highlight? I hope I haven't had my biggest highlight yet. I mean, to date, I mean. <laughs> I think I'm still working towards it. Um, I don't know. Like, well, it seems so long ago, but where I won, so I won the European Championships in 2016. But that feels like it was a different career to the one that I'm in now because it was short course. I don't even race that distance anymore. Um, But in the moment at the time, that was really huge for me because it was it was like a championship that and when you say that you've won a European championship, it's something that people outside of the sport can relate to because they think, oh, like they've seen European championships in other sports and that they're a big deal and so I guess winning that at the time was pretty big because nobody expected me to even be in with a chance of winning which is probably how I managed to win <laughs> because I just broke I broke away with Lucy Hall actually on the bike 
people didn't know who I was so they just let me go up the road <laughs> really yeah yeah it was great <laughs> no and at the time like nobody really did breakaways in triathlon races especially in the girls racing and so I think they thought oh like oh there's only two of them they'll blow up there and then I just didn't I just kept going and on the run I just kept going it was it was a really cool day <laughs> yeah really cool day <laughs> you have to be fearless to be a professional triathlete oh I think I don't think you have to be fearless but I think you have to have you have to have a bit of something about you where so you've got to have like a bit of gumption about you where you like you can't be nice all the time because it's really hard it's a really hard sport everybody works incredibly hard everyone's like when you get to the world championships like people are pretty much as fit as each other and so it's the people who've got something about them who like want it more who are willing to push themselves a little bit more in the right situations uh, be a bit more aggressive put themselves in the right position that kind of thing it's those people who are going to come out on top so I guess maybe there's a bit of maybe it's a bit of fearlessness or maybe it's just a bit of grit yeah can't be too nice I don't think no <laughs> although you are very nice Indy to be fair like well and I all of that all of that is caveated <laughs> with in racing <laughs> um you mentioned that you hope you haven't hit the highlights of your career yet so what would be yeah. the highlight of your career if I talk to you in 10 years time oh in 10 years time wow like, you know I'm giving you 10 yeah. years of, of in the future results. yeah um podiuming at world championships and if you're podiuming you might as well be winning it so perhaps perhaps that just I think knowing that I've got to the end of my career and I've gotten the most out of myself which I'm not, I know I'm not in that situation yet so I know there's more to come and that's it's a nice it's a nice feeling to have that um so yeah I guess are you excited about the season ahead I'm really excited about that season ahead yeah um which is probably the first time I've been excited for a triathlon season at this time of year for probably four or five years so it's a yeah feeling feeling excited for it it's great to have your world champ slot achieved it's the yeah. first week of April um the world is your oyster really isn't it I hope so <laughs> mm. we'll find I guess out. I guess we have to watch this space who mm. has been the biggest inspiration to you in your life either in sport or outside of sport Oh, yikes. Well, there's so many different people at different times of your life who are inspirational to you. I've never been one for having like um, a hero in sport because I just think that, that that can limit you. If you put people up on a pedestal, you just think, oh, what they've done is too much. Like I can't, I couldn't do that. So I've never done that because I'm trying to achieve what people are doing. One final question. What is your proudest achievement to date? I think my proudest achievement is just, it's not one single thing. It's the fact that I am where I am and I'm doing what I'm doing because there's been, there's been a lot of opportunity for me to not be what doing what I'm doing. And what I perceive to have been the easy option where I could have just done what my school friends did and gone and got a corporate job and be living that life. 
and there were a few years where I perhaps thought that I'd made a mistake pursuing professional sport but then now all my friends that did that are all thinking oh I'd I'd love to just go for a run (laughs) and I'm thinking I do just go for a run (laughs) and so (laughs) I'm proud that I've like I've backed myself and um yeah I'm in the position that I'm in because I was willing to not follow convention and yeah I backed myself and stood stood by it and here we are today and she's got a fantastic ahead of her well Indy Lee thank (laughs) you so much for joining me on the Tri Toffee Sport Podcast I hope you make some of those uh, races in the UK this year so I can call you down the finish line again or maybe I'll see yeah, you me too. somewhere around the world you'd never know where I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure I'll see you somewhere you can pick me up off the floor again <laughs> thanks for tuning in I hope you enjoyed this episode you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com if you'd like to hear more great episodes of the podcast be sure to check them out on our website or wherever you get your podcasts you can follow all of our activities and podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. And if you have any feedback or guest suggestions, please pop me an email on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. I really would love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe, keep smiling and remember, as always, to look for fun and adventure in every day. Hold up. 